Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. All right, everybody, welcome in. Here we go again. It's David Summers hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession over 100 years ago. Now we step back into the ring, back into time, into the Great Smoky Mountains, where there ain't no horse like the Tennessee stud. Ron Fuller. What's up, my man, Ron? Oh, geez, man. Uh, just enjoying life. Uh, had a busy weekend this past weekend down in your part of the country. Yes, sir. Down in Dothan. And uh, just uh, getting back home and uh, and uh, getting uh, getting in the groove again. That's cool. You, you saw us another stud cast today, man. Heck, yeah. You saw a lot of folks. I saw you on Facebook, all over Facebook, photo after photo. So it was pretty good to catch up with some old friends for a while oh yeah yes I, I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people that uh i hear their names a lot but i got to put faces with names and that's uh that's always a good thing and uh and i got another one of those events uh, coming up uh next month oh cool uh, out of gatlinburg this next one's going to be pretty close to me about oh. 15 miles away nice okay a similar type event yeah it's a comic-con Comic Con. Uh, okay. So uh, you know, and it's a, it's a big one in the Gatlinburg Convention Center. So, uh, and I'll be telling fans more about it in the next month. Uh, it's going to be uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, July thirtieth and thirty first. Cool. All right. So you got to spend some time with your brother, your cousin, your cousins. Roy Lee was there, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a big family affair, man. You know. Got to see got to see a lot of family uh, and a whole lot of friends and and other wrestlers that uh, don't get to see that often. It's always <laughs> great to go to these type of things. And they actually, man, had a great crowd, a big crowd uh, for their event. Uh, the night after we did the uh, autograph signings and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so it, it was a great event. Uh, I think it was very successful for for everybody, promoters, wrestlers, fans. Everybody involved. All right. Another cousin. So uh, Jimmy Golden was there too. Yeah, we go. Yeah. So it was like a, it was a family (laughs) affair, man. It was a a family reunion and a wrestling reunion as well. All right. So you didn't get up in the ring at all. Nope. No, I sure didn't, man. (laughs) No. uh, And my brother ended up uh, managing one of the wrestlers in the main event. Uh huh. Uh, But, uh, nope. Uh, I, I kind of backed away from that, man. I don't want to get too close to that ring anymore. <laughs> a 
listen, some of those guys were probably kind of thankful. Hey, the stud's not going to be in the ring. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was no, uh, no big, no big uh, wraparound. So and I'm sure a lot of people were happy for that. Hey, now listen, I, I, listen, I know a lot of these Dothan folks and folks around the area were also talking about the Studcast. And listen, when I saw the title for this Studcast, Ron, I knew it was going to be something special. Almost every fan of the sport loves a battle royal. As a kid, when we saw that, oh, it's a battle royal, what? And in this episode, we're going to be talking about a combined 12 battle royal main events in both territories. This is crazy. How did you come up with this kind of idea? And, and I guess we're going to find out how you pulled all this off. Well, you know, as you said, man, Battle Royals, they may be the fans' biggest enjoyment. They love fans around the world, love those Battle Royals. And uh, what better time of the year to have one as an, but uh, have it as an annual event, man, uh, on the 4th of July. <laughs> you know, that 4th of July, that's picnic and fireworks. And the good Battle Royal <laughs> definitely has some fireworks in it. I can say that for sure. Oh, no doubt. And with two Southeastern territories, for the first time ever, Battle Royals were going to be happening from Kentucky to the Gulf of Mexico. So my guess is Knoxville would have been having maybe the fourth one. And in that July 4th week of 1978, that would mean all of the southeastern Gulf Coast cities were probably getting their first ones. That's a fact. That's a, You're exactly right about that. Boom. Obviously, uh, the first summer I spent there was Southeastern, 1975. We had a battle royal on the July 4th uh, holiday period. Then always wasn't always on the on the on the proper day, but it was in that time frame. So uh, yeah, we uh, it's it, and then we did it every year, made it an annual event. So uh, that's what I decided to do. We got the second territory. Let's just have these big battle royals. Uh, and all, what we used to do in 75 and 76 and 77, those battle wars were just in the city of Knoxville, basically. But uh, mm -hmm. I decided uh, this time we should do it in the smaller cities around Knoxville and then go south and do it in some of the major cities down there in the south. So hmm. we added a lot of battle wars at this point. <laughs> no doubt. All right. So since this is something that only happened once a year, my guess, knowing you, we're going to be hearing something a little different in this studcast, right? Yeah, well, we are. Yeah, man, we're going to do something uh, totally different, and uh, you know, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be. Uh, I thought that you know, since we're talking now about uh, matches uh, from the Gulf Coast to almost Ohio, we'd recognize all the cities that got these battle royals in 1978, and we can add up uh, their combined attendances. I want to do that at the end of this show. And, uh, and for the first time ever on the Studcast, we'll get an idea of how much uh, both territories had grown in 1978. So we're going to basically talk about <laughs> where these 12 battle royals were and the cities they were in, what the attendances were. And uh, you know, we'll have a little fun at the end of it uh, with just how big a territory <laughs> and how much uh, Southeastern had grown when we added this second, second uh, company. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And speaking of growing, your classic ContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel, I had to bring that up, is really growing fast. I love to hear what's been added every week. Always something exciting, always something new. 
Oh man, uh, you know, it's really gone crazy. Uh, we didn't have enough time. Uh, you know, I don't think we've got enough time to tell all the things that's been added, but, uh, I think I can go through some of the things that's already there, and I think uh, fans will be amazed with this. Uh, like we talked about last week, Southeastern TVs finally coming on board. Well, there's 29 of them there in the first week. So, I mean, wow, we just started really, really throwing things on there big time at this point. Uh, besides those 29 episodes of uh, Southeastern TVs, we got five uh, Stars of the Sport episodes including the Bob Armstrong one. And uh, right now there's another one that's been added since the Bob Armstrong one. It's old fist of stone, the one man gang, Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> so Ronnie Garvin's got one up there at this point. Uh, now there's 39 great continental TV episodes on there. Keep adding that continental uh, pretty fast too. It's additions there, 36 stud stories, three superstars of the past. And the fourth one's going to be coming this week. Uh, and it's going to be a great one. Uh, all 23 of the USA TV shows that were ever produced are on there. Uh, 12 classic Gulf Coast wrestling episodes. These are episodes that were prior to my even going there before Southeastern took over that Gulf Coast territory down there. There's three excellent documentaries on there, at least 30 individual matches, five Brutus episodes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. Uh, you know, right now we have about 185 total episodes of classic old school wrestling on there, many of which are longer than two hours. Wow. Absolutely amazing. So you've been adding stuff at a really remarkable pace. 39 Southeastern episodes in the first week. No wonder they're calling ClassicContinentalWrestling.com the best streaming channel and best deal in wrestling. So you know you can subscribe now for only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. Plus, you can still get the one-week free trial. You saddle up now at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com if you're all over the place. Oh, I love old-school wrestling. I find some here. I thought you find it all at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. All right, Stud, where do we ride to today? Well, we're headed off into southeastern Knoxville, Battle Royal Week. 1978, every city that had a match, man, uh, you know, we're going to have six battle royals in that week uh, in southeastern Knoxville territory, do the same thing in the south. Uh, their, their battle royals are going to start on Wednesday night, uh, June 28th of 1978, and they're going to end on the following Tuesday night on the night of July 4th, uh, and they're all going to have $5,000 prizes going to the guy that wins the battle royal. And uh, that's added to a great card. Uh, you know, that's on top of a great card. So we're going to focus on the Friday night Knoxville card of June the 30th. It was the last one in the Coliseum for a while. We're going to be back in the park some. And we'll also talk about the TV that promoted it, uh, the results of the matches on that uh, June 30th there, which had the Battle Royal and its attendance. Then we're going to ride south, man, in the Mobile and discover its card on Tuesday night. This one happened to be on Independence Day, July 4th, 1978. Happened to be in Mobile, Alabama on a Tuesday night. And we'll talk about the TV show that promoted that card. And not only Mobile, but also the other cities that were getting these battle royals. Same TV was promoting all these battle royals. 
So we'll get the results of the mobile card, and we'll also get the attendance. Mm-hmm. Toward the end of the studcast, like I said, we're going to do something never done on the studcast before. We're going to talk about all 12 cities in both territories combined that got these battle royals. Wow. <laughs> and then we're going to give everyone the combined attendances for all those 12 cities. And then we'll take a quick look at what went into picking the cities and the buildings so that you could get maximum success. You wanted to get in your best cities and your biggest buildings because it was a great time of year and these battle royals were so successful. So then time permitting, we'll answer another learning tree question too. (laughs) All right. Now you're talking about a big time loaded stud cast, Ron. So I tell you what, we better not let the dust settle. We better get riding if we're going to cover that much ground in this one. So let's start with the card. And we should be Friday, June 30th, 1978 in the Knoxville Coliseum. That's correct. Uh, And it was the fourth. As I said, we had one every year since we had started Southeastern there. So this was the fourth annual Independence Day Battle Royal with 16 men, all against all, battling for $5,000 at the end of the night. And along with that Battle Royal, the first match on the card was Ron Slinker versus Don Lambert. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, who had been steadily moving up the card, man, was going against Don Fargo. Bob Root wrestled Ron Wright. Rip Smith uh, was meeting his most dangerous opponent yet, facing off with the great Malenko. A uh, great Southeastern Tag Championship match was on this card. There was no time limit because the two teams had gone 60 minutes the week before. They had no winner. So this one featured, obviously, the same teams again, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, the champions, presented by Ron Wright. They were going to be taking on my brother Robert and Jimmy Golden. And then there was a special tag match with a no-DQ clause uh, at, right before the Battle Royal. And Ronnie Garvin and Joe LaDuke were against the Mongolian stomper Don Carson. And that one had a special referee, the United States karate champion, Ron Slinker. So then main event was the 16-man over-the-top rope Battle Royal, 5,000 going to the winner. Wow. Okay, so that's a night... <laughs> that had seven matches in all, one of which was a battle royal. That's a great card. So what was on the TV six days before this card that promoted that show? Well, it was a loaded TV, man. Just like the card, it was promoted. It even had a battle royal on TV with $1,000 in prize money to the winner. So uh, the show opened up with Les at the set with Ronnie Garvin and Joel Duke, and there was a great still shot behind the man. At Don Carson, he loaded his glove, and he was behind Joe LaDuke. Joe LaDuke didn't see him. He was about to hit him, and Joe was the referee in the match. He wasn't even in the match, and uh, Carson, uh, as usual, is going to pop him from behind with his loaded glove, and uh, in the same shot, you could see Ronnie Garvin on the top rope, and he's about to leap off in the Mongolian stomper's throat. So, uh, you know, when the director, uh, Les asked the director to roll the tape, Carson went ahead and nailed the Duke. It showed uh, Ron Slinker pretty quickly after that, arriving at the ring. And uh, him and uh, Joe LaDuke had become great friends in that uh, three weeks that Joe was here on vacation. And so uh, Slinker went down because he had saw what Carson did to, to his friend LaDuke. And uh, so Garvin and LaDuke uh, were going to be partners in the next Friday night's Coliseum event versus Carson and the Stomper. 
uh, and uh, Ron Slinker is going to be the special referee. So, so uh, you know, uh, there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on in this particular city, and it's going to be like that in all of them. The three of them described how wild the match got while they were watching it on TV, uh, because Joe LaDuke and Ronnie Garvin sitting there with Les, and they started once that video started rolling, it showed Slinker arrive, and then it showed how the fight kind of spilled out of the ring and out on the Coliseum floor. And, uh, and it didn't end until Carson and Stomper headed for the dressing room. They talked about how happy they both were, uh, talking about uh, Garvin and LaDuke, about how happy they both were that Don Curtis had decided to make Ron Slinker the special referee for the following Friday night. Um, when they left the set, uh, Rob, Rob, you know, Ron and I talked about this one. So did Les and I about these TVs, and uh, and they both said, "Man, they got a great cheer when they left from the studio." And uh, it was followed almost immediately with a cascade of booze, man, because the Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson came to the ring, and they they were in the first live TV match of the show, uh, and they were wrestling as a team, which that was very rare. Hmm. And uh, they made quick work, obviously, of a couple of young outclassed wrestlers. And Carson never got in the ring. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> he let Stomper do all the work. And then uh, when Stomper had both of them down and out of the opponent's laying there, he tagged in Carson. Carson uh, <laughs> came in and uh, knelt down on one knee on top of one of them. The referee counted him out. He went over and knelt down on one knee on the other one, and he counted him out and and old Don was the first one to raise his head. <laughs> what a big night for his Don. Hand. <laughs> big night for Don Carson right there, man. So he earned his money. It's, it sounds like a typical Don Carson move to me. All right, so who was in the interview and then the next match? Well, Carson and Stomper, man, took the entire first interview at the set uh, with the uh, You know, and the entire thing, they didn't split it with anybody. They took the whole thing. And, uh, you know, the boy and the fans didn't like it. They booed their remarks, obviously. And then uh, Ronnie Garvin and Joe LaDuke got another huge round of applause. This time they entered the ring in the studio. They were going to be wrestling. So Rob said the, those two men won even faster than Carson and Stomper beat their guys, you know. And it ended up with Ronnie Garvin jumping off the top rope and one of the opponent's throats. And Joe Duke was a pie in the bear hug to the other one at the same time. And then they interviewed with Les from the set. Then they took the entire two minutes. And they talked mostly about the battle royal and the 5000 prize money. They had a few comments about the tag match and the special referee. But uh, they spent a lot of their time, uh, LeDuc and, and Garvin, talking about the battle royal and the, and the money that was going to go to the winner. And, uh, and speaking of a referee, you know, uh, Ron Slinker uh, was up next, man, with Les. And he's live on the personality profile, uh, along with the video from Southeastern Commissioner Don Curtis that had been sent in days earlier. So Les opened up the personality profile with Ron Slinker. And he had a very rare non-wrestling video of Ron Slinker's winning the United States Karate Championship Tournament two years earlier. Uh, so, you know, fans got to see a little bit of everything in this one, man. Uh, so then he told Les about how honored he was to be asked by a living legend, Don Curtis, to referee the big tag match six, six days later in the Coliseum. 
and now how he was going to be his do his best to do everything uh, to see that everything went as legal as possible. And by gosh, with the guys in that ring, that was going to be a difficult job. So uh, let's thank Ron Slinker uh, for joining him, and Slinker left the set. And then Les threw it to the video that had been sent to him three days earlier by Don Curtis. And Don started by thanking Slinker for accepting the tough job of referee in a tag match, especially with four men, the likes of which was going to be in the ring that night. So uh, he, he, I guess he couldn't have, uh, he couldn't have overemphasized that. So then he changed subjects to battle royals and the fact that most, especially for the 4th of July in the past, had been only in a couple of cities, you know, and that this year for the first time, they were going to be in six southeastern cities beginning the following Wednesday after the TV. And uh, it would end on Tuesday, July the 4th. Uh, and they even named the night and the lucky cities uh, during this personality profile that were going to be getting these great battle royals. So he ended up with a special thanks to all the fans for making this another record year at the box office. Hmm. And to show his appreciation, he said he was going to do something special for everybody, including the fans at home. Give them a special treat hmm. that today on this TV, fans are going to get their own 10-man battle royal wow. right there on TV. Wow. And the winner was going to receive $1,000. So he named off the 10 men in the Royal. Uh, and uh, Rob said he, he got a reaction from the studio crowd to everyone he named. So let's just cover the 10 opponents, man, that were in it. The 10 participants in this battle royal mm-hmm. was my brother, Robert. Uh, Jimmy Golden, Rip Smith, Bob Rue, Kevin Sullivan, uh, Dennis Condry, Phil Hickerson, <laughs> Ron Wright, Don Fargo, and Don Limber. It's a pretty good 10 right there. It's a pretty good group, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he didn't yeah. throw in a bunch of uh, nobodies, man. Right, this right. thing is pretty well loaded with great wrestlers. So uh, fans are going to get a real treat. And uh, like I said, as he has... Is, uh, and he had named these off himself. Curtis did. And uh, he said, uh, Rob said, every time he called out a name, the studio crowd responded to it. So, you know, they got a, they were set and ready. So let's thank Curtis for sending the video and explained how the battle royal was going to be done for TV because it was going to be a different type of deal, that it was going to begin in the very next segment. And it will go through the rest of the entire show. You know, they want to make sure they have plenty of time to get the battle royal finished. And then that uh, if they if the battle royal was finished, they had a standby match. It would be uh, able to put in the ring to mm-hmm. finish out the program. Hmm. And uh, that to be eliminated, the wrestler had to be thrown over the top rope. And they explained kind of the rules of the battle royal. And both of his feet had to touch the floor for him to be out. And there would be a referee inside the ring and a referee on the outside of the ring. Yep, yep. So, uh, so Les uh, further added to accommodate the TV station's commercials, they would have to have at least two short TV station breaks. And uh, they would record whatever went on during that break. And if something really big happened, they would show that again. And, uh, and if necessary, and the war wasn't over before the end of the TV show, that they would record the end of it, and they would open the show next week with the end of the Battle Royal. So let's finish with the fact that the Battle Royal would start immediately. 
And uh, Rob said the fans popped on that one, man. They were ready. <laughs> so the cameras immediately focused on the ring and announcer Phil Rainey. Uh, we always went from the personality profile into the next match anyway. So yeah, this, yeah. this was a pretty common done done this way. So Rainey was in the ring, and uh, and then he started announcing each man individually, and they came to the ring as he was announcing them. Cool. I, 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 kinda, I really like the way this is set up. I love this. No delay, but started right away. And since the first two matches were short, they had probably well over 30 minutes to do the battle royal, royal, and you can get it done. That's that definitely keeps you sitting there. That's that's pretty astute of you, Dave. Man, mm. you're right on top <laughs> of it, man. So you know, and as with most battle royals, it started off with a bang, man. All the guys all over the ring. As soon as they rang that bell, they just charged somebody, man. And, and Les told me later that uh, five guys were eliminated during the third segment of the show, and only five guys remained when they came back after the. TV stations, commercial break. After the third, there were still five guys left in the ring. Now, there was about 10 minutes left at that point because they had had, they'd gone about 15 minutes in that third segment of the show. And uh, so it's not counting the two minutes commercial break and the four minutes of interview time that we were entitled to in the third and the fourth segments. So the five left was my brother, Rob, uh, Jimmy Golden, Dennis Condry, Bill Hickerson and Ron Wright, the only ones left. So uh, Robert got Ron Wright out, but about the same time he dumped Wright out, Condry got him from behind and dumped him out at the same time. They both went. So Rob went to the dressing room, but uh, Les said Ron Wright stayed at ringside. So Golden fought <laughs> the other team, both Condry and Hickerson, by himself. And he was pretty much holding his own, uh, Les said, until Condry uh, pulled the referee away. And uh, Phil Hickerson pulled Nelson Golden. And Ron Wright jumped up on the apron. He had his chisel already on his hand, man. And uh, and the Hickerson slid over Jimmy's face over there. And, uh, wow, Uh-oh. Ron Wright let him have it. And so, uh, so Rob had gone back to the dressing room. But all these dressing rooms in these studios uh, had uh, – monitors in him. So Rob could see what happened. He saw Ron Wright hit Jimmy with the chisel mm-hmm. and uh, he went back to ringside and he chased Ron Wright, not only around the studio, but all the way back to the dressing room. And uh, Jimmy at that point was bleeding pretty badly, but boy, he fought like crazy, Les said, against both Condry and Higgerson. By himself, man, he was, he said he was really, really taking it to him. And then finally they got him stopped. And they both grabbed him, one on each arm, and they ran him across the ring, man, to send him sailing over the top rope. But uh, before, by the time he got to the ropes, Les said he just planted his feet, man. He put on the brakes. He dropped on his rear end. He shoved them both in the back, and they both went over the ring, over the top rope at the same time. So referee signaled for the belt, and uh, Golden was laying flat on his face still. <laughs> he was in bad shape, and the uh, Condry and Hickerson, they just charged back into the ring, man. They knocked the ref down. They took the $1,000 check that the ref was about to give to Jimmy, and they started working on Jimmy again. So Rob came back to the ring second time, man, and the, and the partner, uh, you know, uh, and the two guys, obviously, uh, Condry and Hickerson, Ron Wright standing out there on the floor. They left with Jimmy's check. 
And there, there were four minutes of interview time left, uh, uh, less said about in the show, and uh, two minutes of commercial time. So Wright and Condry and Hickerson, they went to the set with Les, and they bragged about winning the match, uh, the TV Battle Royal, and uh, and they were going to have a big party with the thousand dollar check, and uh, you know, and then they were going to take care of uh, Fuller and Golden again, big time, the following Friday. Well, the TV station uh, then ran their two minutes of commercial time. And then Rob and Jimmy, uh, they're at the set with Les. And when they came back on the air for the last interview uh, and got ready to close out the show, uh, Jimmy was still bleeding. He was trying to cover it with a towel. They had gone back to the dressing room and had a time to mm. kind of uh, get it off his face. But uh, he wanted to keep it from running down his face while wow. they were doing the interview. And uh, Rob and Jimmy both made it clear that the Southeastern belts were, were all they wanted. That the thousand dollars didn't mean anything to them. They were mm. going to take that out of Condry and Hickerson and Ron Wright's <laughs> rear ends. <laughs> All right. So another great TV and an even bigger battle royal in the Coliseum six nights later with five with a five times larger prize. So what happens in the Coliseum June thirtieth, nineteen seventy eight? You're leading to a great setup right here. Well, Ron Slinker beat. Don Limbrick in the first match. Uh, Kevin Sullivan won again over Don Fargo. And he had had a couple of these matches with Don Fargo. And, uh, you know, they, they had some Ill, Ill feelings going between the two of them. Fargo was in his latter years. Kevin Sullivan was a really young kid. And Kevin was taking it to him every match. So uh, when Kevin won this one and he started out of the ring, Fargo attacked him. And uh, shot him out onto the floor. Came out, started putting boots to him. And then Kevin fought back, and Kevin ended up pile-driving Tom Fargo on the concrete, man. And then they stretchered him out of the Coliseum, and uh, that was going to be Don Fargo's last show in the Coliseum for a long, long time, maybe years. Uh, and then Bob Roop uh, beat Ron Wright, but uh, he wasn't satisfied with the victory, so he's going to be back later in the evening as well. So Rip Smith uh, was left laying by the great Malenko, which was really no surprise to anybody. A Malenko man was just becoming more violent every week. Obviously, he was trying to work his way to the top of the card. And if you think about it, he had had very few, few shows at the top of the card. So I can understand there, there's a guy with, with all that talent that uh, had not made it to many main events. And, wow, he was willing to hurt people now to get there. So then the Southeastern tag belts were retained by Condry and Hickerson against Robert and Jimmy mm. in a no time limit match this time. Wow. And uh, they, uh, they, they lost the match, but uh, because Ron Wright intentionally got them disqualified, <laughs> then, uh, you know, they, they, they were able to hang on to their belts. And then, uh, so, you know, Wright got him disqualified, and uh, Bob Roop, uh, who had wrestled him and beat him a couple of matches prior, was watching it, and uh, he he came down and he he started on Wright. Man, he just wanted to finish the job that he left unfinished to end their match. So basically, he had his hands on Wright for the second time that night. And according to Rob, man, that huge Coliseum crowd went crazy, man. And uh, so the six of these guys are going to be involved. Uh, the next week in a cage. So we'll find out, uh, I guess, finally, who is the better uh, six man, the better tag of the three people. So Ron Slinker, man, did his best, and the referee to do the, in the main event, 
and the best he could. And it was really difficult, obviously. You got Garvin and LaDuke in there against Carson and Stomper. And Garvin and LaDuke made a great team, Rob said. Uh, enough so that it forced Carson and Stomper to have to take a lot of shortcuts. And uh, that probably made it even more difficult for Slinker. And it was an ODQ match. So uh, when they went too far, uh, Carson said that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, uh, Rob said that Carson made a move on Slinker, you know, and, and uh, was going to load his glove and all of that. And he said Slinker went crazy on him, man. He said he hit him with a karate chop that, that <laughs> turned out old Don's light. <laughs> he was gone, man. And then Garvin walked over and pinned him. It was a pretty easy deal at the end. Slinker ended up being the guy that, that won the deal, basically. So then Ronnie Garvin won the $5,000 battle royal that night. Uh, he ended up in the ring, and the, the last two in the ring in that battle royal was him and the great Malenko. And Malenko had been screaming for weeks, man, you know, uh, since he had got there, basically, that he wanted a Russian chain match with Garvin. And, and uh, they had really never gotten together. I think they'd only had one match since the Malenko had gotten there. Uh, they both got themselves bloody during that being the last two in the ring and Garvin was able to get a quick win at the end uh, and he left the ring with his five grand. Nice. So that's a pretty big night. How was the attendance and what were the other cities that week with battle Royals? Well, the attendance was very close to another sellout. And uh, in fact, 6,000. It was just over 6,000, 6,020 or some odd figure, you know, but it was the top 6,000 people. Man. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, what I'd like to do, Dave, is I want to save the other cities in that southeastern Knoxville territory. Mm -hmm. They got the battle royals until the end of the show. Now I want to give everybody all 12 of the cities that ran in both of the territories <laughs> and all the attendance totals and all that. We do that on the end of the show. Hey, that's cool. That sounds like a really good idea. Can't wait to hear that. And this is a good place to take a break. Let's do that. We'll take a break on this Studcast and number 257. We'll continue in a moment right here. Okay, Studcast fans, Ron is extremely happy to announce the beginning of Southeastern Wrestling's addition to all the other great things on the ClassicContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel. He has not only gone to great expense to compile the shows, but everything being shown has been digitally enhanced to provide the best quality possible. Although we don't have every TV show, when all are finally up, it's going to be the most complete collection of Southeastern wrestling on the planet. And sadly, there's a limited amount of Southeastern Knoxville in the collection, but older clips will be added as they're discovered. Thanks, everybody, for your patience. There are already 29 episodes there in the first week. We think it will have been worth the wait. Subscribe now. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com ClassicContinentalWrestling.com Only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. Your one-week free trial is still available. And thanks from the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. Welcome back once again, David Summers, hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. Okay, Ron, a ton of stuff that we covered in the first segment. Now, where do we ride in this segment? Well, man, we're going south, man, to the Gulf of Mexico, going down there in southeastern Gulf Coast territory. Uh, 
And we had, we had the same thing going on down there as what was happening up in the southeast of Knoxville, up north. Uh, we're going to have another six cities that are going to end up getting battle royals. Theirs are going to start on uh, Thursday, uh, June 28th, and it's going to continue on straight through. There's no nights off there uh, until straight through to July 4th. Okay, so I know because the cities down in the southeastern Gulf Coast territories were larger that you've been you've been switching from one to another in the recent studcast. So what city are we going to focus on this week? Well, man, we're going to go back to Mobile again. You know, uh, one of the reasons is because it set the southeastern Gulf Coast attendance record uh, so far in that territory. Uh, we did that in the last studcast. Uh, just uh, just under 4,000 fans. So uh, let's start there, uh, this studcast. Uh, since the three major markets of Mobile, Montgomery, and Dothan, Alabama, were all three running off the same Battle Royal TV show. So the Battle Royal TV show was recorded at the WTVY Studios on Saturday, June 24th, 1978. And uh, it showed uh, that day and in the Dothan market. And six days later, on June the 30th, that was going to be the last show in Dothan before the 4th of July. So it was going to be there that June the 30th date was going to be the Battle Royal night for Dothan down there in the southeastern Gulf Coast Territory. And that same Battle Royal TV show that aired that day uh, it was going to be aired the following Saturday, a week later on a Saturday, mm-hmm. in Mobile and Montgomery. So basically, <laughs> this this program that, that uh, Dothan was going to get was designed to promote the Battle Royal shows. And uh, so... So that made it possible to run all three major markets with the exact same card with four days, only wow. four days after Dothan ran, all of those battle royals are going to be going wow. in. Okay, so what about the card for Mobile that ran on Tuesday, July 4th of 78, four days after the exact same card ran in Dothan? Yeah, and then that's exactly what happened, man. So yeah. it was headlined by the first annual Independence Day Battle Royal, first one ever uh, for Southeastern down there, uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, so, uh, you know, and this is going to be a 12-man Battle Royal, $5,000 to the winner that's going to be uh, passed out the bread at the end of the night. Uh, the first match on the card was Charlie Cook, wrestling uh, against Eddie Mansfield. Then the great Tony Charles was going up against Eddie Sullivan in a special notice qualification match. Uh, David Schultz was going to be arresting Mike Stallings. The Gulf Coast Tag Championship was going to be on the line with the new champions, Ricky and Robert Gibson, defending in a return match against the former champions, the Assassins, managed by Billy Spears. The Gulf Coast Championship was going to be at stake. Uh, I was going to be... Wrestling against the champion, Bob Armstrong. Wow. All right. I got to admit, the Gulf Coast end of the Southeastern Territory was keeping pace with what was happening in Tennessee. So what happened on the Southeastern Gulf Coast TV show, June 24th, 1978? Well, obviously, like I said, this entire show was built around the upcoming Independence Day Battle Royals. So it was going to promote the Dothan show six days later. And uh, then one week after that, on July 1st, 1978, the same show was going to be on TV. 
in Montgomery and Mobile, and it would be promoting that same battle royal, except Montgomery's battle royal was going to be on Monday, July 3rd, uh, two days after the TV, and Mobile's was going to be on July 4th, uh, three days after the television. So, uh, so the TV opened with a bang, man. Uh, you know, the Gulf Coast champion Bob Armstrong went to the ring wearing his belt. And uh, by golly, that kind of set the tone for the day, man. Fans were absolutely crazy about him at this point. And uh, he never disappointed them. And, and, he, and he stood him up when he took the sleeper hole on his opponent at the end of the match. Everybody in the studio got on their feet, man. They loved old Bob. And, uh, and I didn't miss my opportunity to get myself some more heat. Uh, I went out there and joined Charlie Platt and Gordon Soli at the set. <laughs> and I made a few comments about old Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. <laughs> and the fact that I was going to take his belt and all that battle royal money. Night after night, I goes adding up all the money. And six to nights at six battle royals for me. Five thousand. I'm gonna do thirty thousand dollars this week. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be a rich boy at the end oh of the week. Oh my god! Yeah. So you know, and, and we had to, you know, we had to be uh, generic on our comments and not specific about the cities because this show was, like I said, promoting the same card yeah. in all three of the markets. Right. So. So in all the interviews, we could be specific about what city the matches we were in. Uh, and in order to do that, man, we always arrived early at the TV, and we did separate interviews for the Montgomery and the Mobile markets. Mm -hmm. So the interviews were done live on the show uh, as it was being produced. Mm -hmm. And though, when that happened, it was always okay because it was for the Dothan card and the Dothan market. And then after the show played on air, and before it got shipped out to Montgomery or Mobile, mm -hmm. they took those interviews out of there and they put these pre-recorded interviews that we had done earlier in the uh, day uh, into the show in those yeah. slots. Yeah. Okay, so I've, I've often wondered how that was done. All right. So you would come in early, do the stuff for the other markets, and then that would get inserted. That's it. Okay. All right, so all right, here you go, Stud. It's another, <laughs> that's another wrestling lesson right there today. So, and you've got an even bigger one coming later. Well, you know, uh, fans, fans, fans don't get the inside scoop, man, of how the business <laughs> works, man. Any, yeah, man, very few places in wrestling podcasts other than this one, Dave. You know, we try to pull the kayfabe curtain back here, and uh, just about on every studcast, I don't have a problem doing that. So, yeah, I don't mind telling people this is how that was done in all types of territories. If you were in a huge territory uh, like the Carolinas, uh, the Florida Territory, uh, you could spend uh, three hours doing yeah. interviews. Wow. Uh, that were going to be inserted into television shows in maybe uh, 10 markets. In that many markets. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. So, who was on the second TV segment? Well, new t newcomer Tony Charles, man, was making his Southeastern Gulf Coast television debut. Uh, Ellie Sullivan, a longtime Gulf Coast star who got beat by Tony Charles in his first night in the territory the night before. Uh, Charlie Platt and, and Gordon Soli are really making some great comments about uh, Tony Charles because he was such a spectacular wrestler and doing things that nobody else did. Uh, 
And so, you know, Eddie Sullivan just took it upon himself because I guess he got uh, really humiliated the way he was beaten by Tony Charles the night before that he went out and, uh, and just interrupted him in the middle of their commentary about the match. And he started insulting Tony Charles and, and his crazy wrestling style who wrestles like he does, you know, and uh, making fun of his moves. And, <laughs> and then he just went further with it. And he, he said, uh, you know, I want to wrestle him again, but I want to wrestle him in my type of match. He goes, he may be a good wrestler, but I want to know this qualification match with him. I want to, I want to prove he ain't a real man, you know, that, <laughs> that I'm tougher than he is. And uh, so, you know, so he just inserted himself into the show. And uh, so that's what we did for him. We, we gave him that type of match all the way around the territory to let him just see what Tony could do in a no DQ match. So uh, when Tony finished off his opponent, and while wow, he did it with another one of those spectacular throws, man, and I'm sure that people in that part of the country had never seen anything like that. And uh, Charlie and Gordon, uh, uh, on Tony's way to the ring, called him over to the set. And they told him mm-hmm. about the challenge that had just been made while he was in the ring <laughs> from Eddie Sullivan. So, you know, and, and it gave, and I'm glad that it worked out that way because it kind of gave uh, the fans the first chance to hear a legit British accent, man, and, uh, and, and coming from a guy with real class and humbleness, one of the finest wrestlers in the world, no doubt. And Tony politely, which was uh, his, his demeanor all the, all the time, he politely accepted the no disqualification match challenge and, uh, and then he just went right on to something that was more important to him at that point. He said how glad he was to be wrestling now along the American Gulf Coast, man. He goes, wow, it's beautiful, Charlie Gordon. It's just <laughs> beautiful here, right? So, <laughs> so fans in Knoxville, he had just left there. I know they were already missing him. Yeah. But, boy, the new fans down there in the southeastern Gulf Coast area, they were just beginning their love affair with him, man. It, wow. it was going to be big time. Cool. All right. Who and what was on the personality profile with Charlie and with Gordon? Well, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what, what better person to send out there, man? To, you know, and it was all built around these upcoming battle royals. So who better to explain it? What is all about? And uh, you know, and uh, and the fact that this was the first one, and the fact that it was going to be an annual event, and the fact it was built around the celebration of Independence Day, the Fourth of July. I mean, Mister Goody Two Shoes is the only one that could have explained it that way. And then he also explained about the new wrestling company, Southeastern Gulf Coast, and, and some of the things they had in mind for the future. And he, he told the fans, that this is just the beginning of it, you know, and, they, and then he complimented the company, along with Gordon and, and Charlie, uh, that they would be uh, put, they, they would put one of these battle royals on TV. He goes, what kind of company puts a battle royal on television? Because <laughs> that's what you got to have right now after <laughs> this is over, after we finish this, this, uh, our personality profile, you're going to have a battle royal and they're going to give a thousand dollars to the winner. Didn't you, didn't you love a wrestler like that who the fans loved who puts the company over at the same time? I mean, 
Oh, yeah, uh, man. I mean, you know, yeah. and gosh, Bob, <laughs> and, and Bob could do no wrong. Yeah. He could say nothing <laughs> wrong, man. He, whatever <laughs> came out of his mouth, <laughs> everybody was happy with Yeah, I mean, he's selling the heck out of this company. All right, so it sounds like that he was talking, he, he was actually taking the place of Don Curtis on Southeastern Knoxville's TV that was really happening the same day. Yeah. They, and, then up, and, you know, what's really a, really a coincidence about this is both of these TV shows were just about being produced in the same time of the day. Yeah, wow. Uh, one 500 miles north of the other. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, and, and that's that's it. He mm. was the Don Curtis for this uh, <laughs> for the Southeastern Gulf Coast show. Uh, you don't miss anything, Dave, anymore. Thank you. That's pretty cool. Thank you, you know, for that, noticing. That was exactly his task. And then Bob Armstrong... <laughs> was capable of anything when it came to wrestling. So the three of those guys covered the upcoming TV, uh, you know, Battle Royal, and then they, they, with the same explanation, basically it was given earlier in the, in the Studcast 500 miles away by Les Thatcher and Don Curtis. So, uh, <laughs> so they even gave the names of the wrestlers about to take the ring as soon as the profile was over. And uh, might as well go through those guys at this point. You know, they announced that... Uh, the David Schultz, Eddie Mansfield, The Wrestling Pro, Charlie Cook, Mike Stallings, Ricky Gibson, mm-hmm. Robert Gibson, mm-hmm. The Assassins, and even the manager, Billy Spears, were going to be in this one. <laughs> the studio crowd popped to hear that Billy Spears was going to get the hell beat out of him. I'm <laughs> sure. So they, they, they weren't expecting the Battle Royal, much less to have Billy Spears thrown in. Yeah, I don't think I was expecting that either. Wow. All right, so you're doing the same thing on this TV show as they were doing in Knoxville, and I think, as you said, almost simultaneously. Almost simultaneously. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah. You know, my brother and I, you know, we exchange ideas all the time. We're both bookers, him in the north and me in the south, and we talked about what 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 was – what worked when we both were in agreement, what worked in Tennessee mm-hmm. worked just as well in Alabama. Yeah. It yeah. didn't seem to make a difference. And people are the same everywhere. So the rest of the show was going to be built around a live battle royal on TV, except this one, unlike the Southeastern Knoxville one was filled with all stars. If you think about it, every one of those guys we named in this one was a star there. So, uh, this one had even more stars in its battle royal, And, uh, well, it got over great, man. The studio never stopped cheering. It was the loudest I'd heard it yet. I mean, the fans were just on their feet for the entire battle roar. And the last five in the ring, third segment of the show, uh, half of them got eliminated. And the last five left in the ring toward the end of the show was Ricky and Robert Gibson with the two assassins and Billy Spears. It was almost the same ending as the other one. 500 mm-hmm. miles north of Knoxville. Wow. And, uh, so Robert Gibson got eliminated. Uh, the three three heels were in there, all three of them, both the, both the assassins and Billy Spears were in there with Ricky Gibson by himself. And, uh, and they busted him open. And, uh, and Ricky, wow, he was such a talent. He fought back like a wild man. I mean, he was just crazy. He dumped Spears over the top rope by himself. And then the, both the assassins got him stopped, and they grabbed him by the arms, did the same thing that happened up there in Knoxville, or ran to throw him over the top rope. He dug in those heels and uh, shot them both over at the same time. So 
Robert Gibson this time, though, didn't end up like Robert did before. And uh, Jimmy getting attacked again. Robert just popped into the ring, grabbed up his bleeding brother, man. They raised his hand, and they got their money, man. The money was handed to him. You could have heard the pop in Panama City, man, 100 wow. miles away. Wow, no doubt. That's another fantastic TV show right there. So what happened in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama's Expo Hall, July 4th, 1978. I'm talking almost exactly 44 years ago. Charlie Cook beat Eddie Mansfield. Tony Charles won over Eddie Sullivan in that no disqualification match that Eddie Sullivan had asked for. Uh, and wow, he won it in a, in, with another big throw. <laughs> I mean, wow, there's no way Eddie Sullivan could compete <laughs> with Tony Charles. <laughs> but, but he wasn't through. Eddie Sullivan wanted more, mm-hmm. and he was going to get it. <laughs> so David Schultz uh, beat Mike Stallings. Uh, the Gulf Coast Tag Champions, uh, Ricky and Robert Gibson, won over the Assassins, managed by Billy Spears. And I won the Gulf Coast title from Bob Armstrong. But I had it taken away from me by disqualification because the referee searched me. People, you know, people in the crowd, uh, you know, told him I had something. And, you know, and he found something. Uh, and uh, so he he changed his decision and he took the belt back from me and, uh, and uh, there was almost a riot even after he took the belt back from me and he handed it to old goody two shoes and he left the ring and they were still about wanting to kill me you know <laughs> all right but who won so who won the battle royal for the money well i did man <laughs> and that's when we had the ride because you the tennessee <laughs> stuff almost occurred earlier man <laughs> okay <laughs> So, uh, yeah. And I, the way I won it, man, is uh, the Schultz and Mansfield got thrown out toward the end, and instead of going back to the dressing room, they kind of hung out there, to, you know, just to just to help me out a little bit if I needed it. And I got in there, missed me and Mr. Goody Two Shoes toward the end, and and somehow, you know, referee followed me over to one side of the ring, and they got him by the hair and they drug him over the top rope, and, and you know, and I end up getting the money. So that. <laughs> And that that was just fine. So, so we recorded it, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know because uh, uh, of all the six battle royals that we were having, uh, we knew this was going to be a hot finish, which it was, and we ended up uh, having a riot on the end of it, uh, and that it would put a lot more heat on me, not just me, but it's going to put heat on Schultz and Mansfield because of what they did to Mr. Goody Two Shoes. And then it was also a, a finish that wasn't used in any other battle royal. So it was something we that they hadn't seen anywhere else. Uh, we we did it. We recorded it because we had a huge crowd, man. It had a monster crowd in Mobile uh, in the background. And uh, that shot with that big crowd behind it, uh, what was going on, that was just going to promote how popular wrestling was becoming, man, in wow. that territory. And especially fans, when they watch it back on TV, uh, it was inserted into four days later. They saw that crowd. And they Uh even got to see a little piece of the ride at the end of it. They kept Uh the recording going. And you saw a few chairs (laughs) flying. It was was quite 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 a video. Yeah, 40 years later, the riot, or 44 years, however many years later, the riot's kind of funny when you're talking about it. But as the owner and the promoter, it was probably not as funny as it was happening 
is you are probably just trying to get every, hopefully nobody gets hurt. Let's just all get out of this place and everybody goes home safely, right? Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, you don't want to riot. It's yeah. not something that you yeah. really go out there and encourage your wrestlers to, hey, let's, let's have a riot. Yeah, nobody right, ever right. said that. I don't ever remember yeah. anybody saying that. It's yeah. just something that happened. Because fans loved it, they they believed in their sport and they were totally involved. And yeah, and when they didn't see the, the the heel get what he needed to get, and, and Babyface wasn't able to do it at that point, they said, "We'll do it ourselves." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. It, it was a different day and time. That's what it was. So, All right. So you know, uh, nobody got hurt. Nobody okay. got hurt in yeah. this right. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, but it wouldn't be that way the entire summer. The heels were at this point getting dangerously hot. And uh, we kept uh, burning fans up every night with these hot finishes. Yeah. And uh, so that's why. And, and that was the reason that we were growing so f like a wildfire, man. The territory was really cranked and crowds were growing, growing and growing. Because the heat was just, uh, it was immense. Like a wildfire with a head-on breeze. So, I mean, that's that's big time. And listen, it is time for you to break down those figures. I think we got time for this. For the 12 cities across the southeastern United States that got those Independence Day battle royals. So, okay. Uh, that we're we're we got to be pretty much close to running out of time. Right. I, hate, uh, I hate to say it. But I hope we're getting close. So, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, so I'd like to explain why it was so important, man, to handpick the cities we were going to put these great cards into, these 12 cities. So we were in the best time of the year for wrestling, middle of the summer. Uh, it was a holiday weekend, July 4th. Uh, that they always had celebrations around it, and it made it. It was just the perfect time to cash in, man, on the summer, to do something really big, and to do it in your biggest cities with your biggest buildings. So uh, you needed to consider the building size and the history of the cities to kind of maximize that success. And it was a little more difficult to do in the Gulf Coast territory than it was in Knoxville. Because we'd only been in the Gulf Coast Territory for four months. We didn't know which were the biggest cities and the biggest buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were just getting started. Now, southeastern Knoxville, they'd been in business for four years. I knew which, where to go instantly when I started mm -hmm. thinking about where to go up there. Mm -hmm. It made it a little more difficult to figure it out down in the Gulf Coast. So uh, this ought to be some fun, man. So I, I looked at these cities. I looked this up. You know, I, I kept the charts on on the houses and attendances, uh, not always money, but always attendances as best I could. And I looked up these 12 cities and their attendances. So bear in mind that until March of 1978, there'd only been one southeastern territory in the Tennessee area. And that one didn't actually start until October 1974, talking about Knoxville up there. So let's begin with the six cities and attendances in the southeastern Knoxville area for the Independence Day Battle Royals in 1978. Uh, the first city to run in those six days was on a Wednesday, uh, June 28th. It was in Corbin, Kentucky. It was on a race car track, you know, uh, big, mm, big wow. building. And yeah. That's like a big building, man. It was outside. Yeah. yeah. 
but it had a covered grandstand and that sucker was a pretty good size track. We yeah. had an attendance of almost 4,000, 3,700 people, Corbin, Kentucky. Wow. Small town. Wow. Thursday night, the 29th, we ran in Morristown, Tennessee in a baseball stadium. Uh, we had a little building uh, called the Tally Ward Center mm-hmm. that uh, it was small, but in the summertime, we ran outside. There was a baseball stadium right behind the Tally Ward Center. So we changed the night. It was always Saturday night, but we ran it on a Thursday because mm-hmm. it had a baseball stadium with a covered grandstand. If it rained, we wrestled in the rain, and the fans just enjoyed it just as much. Mm-hmm. We had 3,300 in Little Marstown, Tennessee that night. The next night, Friday, June 30th, we were in the Coliseum. We already talked about that. We had 6,000 fans. Wow. On Saturday night, the next night, we were in Harlan, Kentucky's high school gym. We had 3,400 people in a high school gym. Uh, just a wow, dangerous, dangerous place. Talk about wow. riots and getting hurt. There was a place that you really, really had to be careful. Uh, we didn't run down there on Sundays. So we came back on Monday, July 3rd, and we went to an even bigger town than Harlan. We went to Hazard, which had its own TV. At that time, it had its own TV for about three years at this point. We went into their largest building. We drew 4,950 people in Hazard, Kentucky on a Monday night. All right, you're up to you're up to five towns and I'm over $20,000, five small towns and yeah. everything is, well, there's one Tennessee and everything else is Kentucky. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah that's uh, fans. So yeah. Over 20,000 yeah. fans. Yeah. 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 Uh, then the last one was on Tuesday night, July the 4th. We were in the town that usually ran on Tuesdays, Johnson city, Tennessee. It was up there in the tri cities. It had Kingsport, Johnson city, Bristol, all right there together within 30 miles of each other, all three of those cities. Uh, we were in the rec center, uh, was at that point the biggest building in that area. We It was supposed to hold about 2,600. We'd had 3,200 people in that one. Wow. 3,200 wow. there. Yeah. So, uh, so it was a record week for Southeastern Knoxville at this point. Uh, for the six nights, we drew 24,550 fans. This is an average of 4,900 fans per night for six nights. Um, it was just a spectacular, wow. spectacular week, you know, in the north. Yeah. Out so, of, uh, I want to ask you really quick. Down us out. Go ahead. I want to, I want to really quick. Out of all of the participants in those consecutive or number of nights, did you have to do any swapping out? Did one person like I can't make was what was it like? Was it ten the same ten people all those shows, roughly? Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So everybody yes. and, and was committed. You, and, and you know, when you got you having a week like that, and you're yeah. having crowds like that, uh, you don't want to miss week. You don't yeah. want to miss a night, man. Yeah. I mean, those boys went home. They made some decent money that week. I would yeah. say. Yeah. I would say as a guess that uh, nobody made less than uh, fifteen hundred dollars that week in nineteen seventy-eight. That's each. Each holy that's nobody made less, and some of those guys probably made twenty five hundred. God, that's bit that's really big time in nineteen seventy eight. That is a quality used car in nineteen seventy. Oh yeah, you could buy a car. <laughs> Done right, you could go yeah. and buy yourself a, a car. Yeah. You could, 
Some of yeah. them could buy a new, a yeah. new smart right. car. Man. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it was a tremendous week. Yeah. You know, and, and if you were a wrestler and you were booked, if you were ever going to not miss a town, this was your week. Yeah. You would never want to miss this one. So yeah. everybody wanted to cash in on it. Like I said, it was, uh, you know, it was cashing in on the summer. Kind, yeah. You know? Yeah. So wow. uh, let's jump down south, man. Let's see what happened down there. So we'll go down the southeastern Gulf Coast in the same six days, basically, except the first one there didn't start on Wednesday. It was Thursday. Thursday, June 29th, we were in Panama City, Florida. Uh, we were in a, Now, the difference here was buildings. A lot of the buildings here, you know, like I said, we hadn't been there very long. We had, hadn't run into some of the cities at all yet. The, the building in Panama City was an old renovated skating rink. So, you know, we didn't have uh, all the seats that we could have had, in, uh, you know, later on. But uh, we uh, only had... Uh, only had 12 matches, uh, you know, uh, so uh, we had in that city, we had 2,100 fans in that skating rink, which that skating rink probably was, was <laughs> set up to hold maybe uh, 1,200. Yeah. We had 2,100 in it. So <laughs> they were standing everywhere along the walls and everywhere. It was just packed. Uh, uh, and just give you an idea of how good some of these cities are going to be. Now, this Panama City, it was only its 12th match. They, this was only their 12th event ever or for Southeastern. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, six years later, they're going to build that beautiful downtown building there on the bay in 1984 mm -hmm. in Panama City. Yep. And, uh, and we're going to be the first thing in that building to ever sell it out of over 5,000 people. Now, is, is that the one now known as the Marina Civic Center? That's it. Yeah. Marina yeah. Civic Center. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were there. We're talking 78. Uh, we're in a skating rink. Six years later, we're in the beautiful, brand new Marina Civic Center. Yeah. And we're the first event ever to sell it out at over 5,000. Wow. wow. So Friday, June 30th. In, in this time frame of 78, we were in Dothan's Houston County Farm Center. Uh, we had over 4,000. We had 4,050 people in, uh, on June 30th. Uh, and we had uh, 16 uh, total shows there. Only 16 shows in Dothan. I mean, you're, we were four months in. Yeah. And we had gone from 1,500 people on the opening night to over 4,000. Wow. In, in 16 shows. Yeah. So uh, on Saturday night, we were in Little New Brockton in their farm center, <laughs> yep. which was, and I, it was an exact replica of the, of the other farm center, yep. except it was much smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably made to hold uh, 1,800 fans, maybe something like that, 15, 18. We had 2,200 people in New, New Brockton. New Brockton center. was rocking. Wow. It was rocking. You <laughs> darn right, <laughs> man. Yeah. Then we Sunday night. We went, uh, it was July 2nd. We we're in Pensacola, Florida's municipal auditorium, right down there on the bay. Uh, 3,100 people that night. It was the first crowd over 3,000 there. 3,100. Uh, then on Monday night, July 3rd, Montgomery Civic Center, we had 2,700 people. That's a town that about uh, 12, 12 events earlier, we gave the money back. We didn't have enough people to run the show. Now it's at 2,700 people, July 3rd, 78. Wow. And then the last one of that week, 
on the on the night, July fourth, nineteen seventy eight, Mobile's Expo Hall, we had four thousand two hundred and fifty people, uh, and it was Mobile's tenth only its tenth event. So, it was it was amazing what was going on down there. Mm. It was by far our biggest week so far. Yeah, and only four months of operation. We did nineteen thousand four hundred fans that week. That's an average of almost thirty three hundred a night. Wow, wow. So, so for a combined total of all twelve of those battle royal events in nineteen seventy eight in both the territories, we had forty three thousand nine hundred and fifty fans. Good God, that is unbelievable. In twelve matches. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in what period? How many days? What period of time? Uh, basically in six days. Yeah, the, yeah. Six days, uh, within seven days at the most. Uh, we had six in the north, six in the south. Uh, and in the case of the south, it started yeah. on Thursday and ended on Tuesday. It was six days. And with some of the best workers in the business, some of the names that we would come to know and would be Hall of Famers down the line, some that, that you may only know because you're listening to this studcast if you didn't know the Gibson brothers, that were some of the best workers ever in both of those territories. That's a, that's amazing. Wow. All right, Stud, I can't believe it. How much you've stuffed into this one. They just keep getting better and better every stud cast. I'm sorry, but we're not going to make the learning tree question today. Hopefully, we can get there on the next stud cast. So you told me earlier that you'd like to thank everybody for coming out to see you in Dothan, Alabama, over the holiday weekend at the Continental Fan Fest. I know you had a great time. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Dave. I might have forgotten it, uh, to do it, but uh, yeah, I had a great time there, man. Seeing fans from basically all over America, I was really surprised. There were people there from from Texas and, uh, and, and way out west, uh, up north. Uh, Tarn, it was huge. Uh, you don't see that type of uh, reaction to events in this this day and time where you've got a totally different wrestling product than what we had back in those days but people came from everywhere for this one and i want to thank everybody that came by and stopped and said hello and uh, and and like i mentioned earlier i got a i got another big event coming at the end of this month it's in gatlinburg tennessee it's called the smoky mountain fan fest uh it's a comic con uh, which is their big deals. Uh, they bring in people from all over the country, stars from all over the country. This one's going to be on Saturday and Sunday, July 30th and 31st. It's at the Gatlinburg Convention Center. And uh, so stop by if you're in this area uh, around Gatlinburg uh, in Tennessee, eastern side, western side, wherever, stop by and say hello. And uh, and I'm going to have lots of souvenirs there, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. Okay, so were there dudes walking around with your stud mask on at the event Saturday? Well, there was two two young kids that uh, that, that had purchased the Tennessee stud uh, mask. Two yeah, brothers, yeah. two young brothers, probably uh, I'd say uh, ten, twelve years old. They had yeah. theirs on. Oh, you bet they did because they're replicas and they're that it's really cool. All right, stud, that's awesome. On Facebook, everybody, to become friends with Ron, you can only do it by going to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page. You can like him and follow him there, and you automatically become friends with a legend. At Twitter, it's Ron Fuller Welch. Ron Fuller Welch on Twitter. On the website, visit the stud on his tremendous website, tnstud.com. 
It has everything you could want to know about the stud. Great videos, a photo gallery, hundreds of photos of wrestlers. Every stud cast ever done is there and free. And 43 three-hour super stud cast for only $2.99 each. Shop the stud store. All kinds of souvenirs like we were talking about. Personally autographed photos, t-shirts, his thrilling lion novel Brutus, and even those Tennessee stud masks. Southeastern Rewind on YouTube is still full of great shows. You can also get up-to-date information about his fantastic streaming channel at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. It's all there, and it always will be. 39 Southeastern TV shows are there now. Hundreds more will follow. The fifth stars of the sport is now there. Fist of Stone and the one-man gang, Ronnie Garvin. Filled with great photos throughout that documentary. Five Brutus readings are there. With the stud himself actually doing the voices of some of the characters. The content grows weekly. Well over 120 hours available there now. Of old school wrestling entertainment. And it's only the beginning. Subscribe now at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. It is fast becoming the best old school streaming site on the entire planet. Don't miss this special offer right now. For a limited time, get a free one-week trial on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. All right, Stud, where are we riding next week? Well, man, we're headed into the month of July 1978. Uh, we're already gotten into the pieces of it as far in as the fourth uh, we're going to start covering the rest of the month of july uh, we're going to talk about this long-awaited feud uh between uh, ronnie garvin and the great malenko that is about to start uh, it's it's been a long time in getting there and uh, wow that's going to be a classic bunch of matches between those two uh ron slinker is going to get his most important yet match yet in southeastern knoxville uh, there's another charity softball game with the largest newspaper in the city, the News Sentinel, challenging us with theirs and with their employees uh, to a softball game. And uh, we're going to set another record crowd, man, uh, playing playing softball of all things. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the, the worst riot in my career in this next one and the only one I ever got hurt in mm-hmm. in Panama City, Florida, Uh-oh. 44 years ago. And Bob Armstrong and I are going to be scheduled for a 10-round boxing match for the Gulf Coast Wrestling Belt, which is odd. We're going to box for a wrestling championship. The Assassins are going to continue to eliminate challengers. Uh, The cards, the three major cities are going to have cards with a boxing match, with a tag title match, with a Texas death match, and an elimination match all in that one card on the next Southeastern Gulf Coast card. So hopefully we'll get to the next learning tree next week. I hope we do our best. We'll do our best to get there. I uh, don't like missing them enough. I want to thank everybody out there for listening today. Uh, as always, for your support. My studcast, man, is just, it's really blowing up, man. And, uh, and I appreciate every one of you that are making it happen. And please take care of yourselves and others. And may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud.
LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.